Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to see you today. Glad you're here. And uh, it's good to, to be back at Shelby and uh, be a part of the service. And um, I was uh, standing over there reminding myself of some things. For 22 years, God gave me the privilege to be the pastor here at the church. And um, in uh, 1999, Labor Day weekend, Randy and Annette came to do our music for us. And we were in terrible, terrible need of Randy and Annette's musical abilities in this place. I've traveled a lot. I've been in a lot of churches the last couple of years. And I say it to Sandy, there's no place like the music at Shelby. And, and, and there's good music where we go, don't get me wrong, but it's not like being here. And it's, you know, it's like, you know, Randy and Annette are like a, an old, good old pair of shoes. You know, you never want to get rid of them, boys. You want to, you know. You're just thrilled to death with them. And um, nobody, nobody, I'm just, Randy, you can leave if you want to. It's all right. I'll, I'm still going to talk about you. But nobody knows music any better than Randy and Annette. And they've assembled a group of people around them that produce a wonderful musical program. And, and I, I want to tell you, when I came here, it was me and Sandy. And it was pitiful. It was. Yeah. She did a pretty good job with the choir, but, but I was pitiful. I mean, it was just pitiful. And so when we got Brother Randy and Miss Annette, um, we, we were neighbors. And Randy was teaching at Rochester Hills Christian School where our daughter was going to school. And we all got acquainted. And, and we bribed him out of that school and got him in our church. Amen. And so don't ever let him go, okay? Yep. Amen. Good. I'm glad to hear that. All right. But um, Randy, your father was an Awana leader. Am I saying that correct? You should brag about that because Randy said his dad did just one of the best jobs he'd ever seen. How old were you when he did that? Okay. So he was your Awana leader. So Randy knows a little bit about what he's talking about. He knows a lot about music, but he knows a little bit about Awana. So we're grateful for that today. And that's a wonderful thing. Well, I, I really am glad that Pastor and Susie got away. And um, don't take this the wrong way. They need to get away from you once in a while. <laughs> they do. They, they, listen, I did this for 42 years, and I understand a break. And uh, here, here's the problem with the pastorate, okay? And, and it's not a problem, but, but here's, here's the downside to it. You're at work all the time. The phone rings. Somebody goes to the hospital. There's a need. There's a situation. There's a circumstance. You have to be available. And that's what it's all about, okay? And so getting away is a great thing. When you and your wife can get in the car and leave everything behind, and you know, Brother Caleb's here, and the deacons are here, and Randy's here, and others are here. I'm happy to fill in, you know, and, and uh, so they can get away and just be alone and be to themselves and, and, and just forget for a few days that, you know what, we don't have all that burden on our shoulders anymore. And, and yeah, you know, you can be here, you can take a day off, but you never know how things are going to go. And so uh, I'm just grateful for that and grateful that uh, you give them plenty of time to do that because they really do need it. And so let me encourage you in that, okay, because I know from whence I speak. And uh, anyway, it's good. I, Sandy's here with me today. This is the first time she's been in church since before the pandemic. And don't hug her. Don't you kiss her. Don't you hug I'll do the hugging and the kissing. Don't you do any of that, okay? All right. How'd I do, babe? Is that good? Yeah. Sandy said diabetes since she was nine years old. And her immune system is not like ours. And so she doesn't need hugs and kisses from anybody but me. All right? Well, maybe the grandkids. That's okay, you know. But anyway, find in your Bibles the book of Luke this morning, chapter 4. Sandy will be happy because today, honey, you've never heard this message. Amen. 
when you get to preach around a little bit, you kind of preach some of the things, you know, uh, I call them peppermint sticks, okay? You preach your peppermint sticks, you know, and because uh, you want to do your best because you want to get invited back. You understand that? And uh, so uh, today is a brand new message, and uh, today is a, a message she's not heard. I have preached this in a missions conference, but I've, I've, I've uh, what, what, the sweet part is, is that you can take your messages and design them for each church setting. And I knew who I was going to be preaching to this morning. And so I, I put this one together for you. But um, a, a while back, I heard, I heard our pastor, Brother Montgomery, talk about the gospel. And uh, I've been a gospel preacher all of my life, but I heard it in a little different way. Okay? You know, he, he talked about being a gospel-centered church. And um, that, I believe, is what we've always been, but maybe not to the degree that we are today. And so when I got to the New Testament, and I told him this, when I got to the New Testament, I decided I was going to mark in orange and underline the word gospel every time I saw it. So I get into Matthew and then Mark and Luke and John, and, and I just I make my way all the way through it. And here's what I find. I find there are 98 references to the word gospel in the New Testament. And I found that 47 out of the 98 places that the word gospel is in the scriptures, it has to do with preaching, preaching the gospel, okay? 47 times, preaching the gospel, preaching the gospel, preaching the gospel. Now, a lot of other words are tied with that, but, but in the context of today, we'll be in the context of this in chapter 4, uh, where Jesus preaches the gospel, and that's what I'm trying to do this morning is preach the gospel to you and I today. And my text will be chapter 4 and verse 1 where we will begin. And then we'll go to chapter 3 in just a moment and look at three or four verses and, and try, to, try to pull something together here for chapter 4 so that you'll understand what I'm trying to say. I, my, my message has one point. That's all it has. But I've got four pages full of stuff before we get to that one point, okay? And I've never preached a message like this before, but I'm going to today. Now, notice what it says in chapter 4. This is, this, is Jesus, this is Jesus going into the wilderness temptation. It is everything I'm going to read to you about is the beginning of his gospel ministry. He is 30 years of age. You know, we, we learn of Jesus when he's about 12 years old in Jerusalem with his parents who went to Jerusalem in the temple at least one time a year. They, they, they were to go four times a year, but at least one time a year. And that's the only time as a child, as a young person, that we see Jesus. And he's about 12 years of age. And then, and then we get to this part, his baptism, and how he comes to John to be baptized uh, of John. And he starts his public ministry at that point. So notice with me that it says in chapter 4, verse 1, and Jesus being full of the what? The Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit of God, returned from Jordan, having been baptized by John, as we'll see in just a moment, and was led by the what? Spirit, the Holy Spirit, into the wilderness. The title of my message this morning is The Power of the Gospel. And I want you to understand what is behind the gospel. There is a power behind the gospel that is called the Holy Spirit of God. 
And you're going to see this over and over and over again in these verses of Scripture. Now back up with me to chapter number 3, verse 16. And John, meaning John the Baptist, answered saying unto them all, I indeed baptize you with water. But one mightier than I cometh, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to unloose. He shall, he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, and with fire. Do you see that? He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost, meaning the Holy Spirit, and with fire. Now, John is telling those whom he is baptized and baptizing that there's one coming who's greater than him. And we know that that is his first cousin. His name is Jesus, the very Son of God in the flesh. Amen and glory to God whose fan, verse 17, is in his hand, and he will thoroughly, meaning completely, all the way through, purge his floor and will gather the wheat into his garner, but the chaff he will burn with fire unquenchable. That's a strong verse. And many other things in his exhortation preached he unto the people. And so John the Baptist is the forerunner of Jesus Christ. And John is preaching, there is one who's coming. His name will be Jesus. He is the Son of God. He will die for the sins of the world. He will make the payment once and for all. He will shed His blood for, for all sinful men everywhere, past, present, and future. So keep those things in mind with me. And So here comes Jesus to be baptized. Now notice verse 20 before we... Notice verse uh, 19 and 20 before we read verse 21 and 22, okay? It says in verse 19, But Herod... The Tetrarch, being convicted by him, for Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, he, he took his brother's wife and married her, and for all the evils which Herod had done, and he was an evil man, added yet above uh, this above all that he shut up John in prison. So Herod, this Tetrarch, he takes John the Baptist and locks him up, and he is eventually beheaded, and he's a martyr for Christ at that point in time. Now, notice verse 21. Now, when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized and praying the heaven was open. Now, here comes Jesus to John. John, I must needs be baptized of you. And John says, no, 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 no. I need to be baptized of you. And Jesus says to him, John, let's let this be. This is God's plan. This is what God wants. And I want you to baptize me. And so we all know that that happened. And then we notice in verse number 22. Watch it now. And the Holy Ghost descended in bodily shape like a dove upon him, Jesus, and a voice came from heaven which said, Thou art my beloved Son, in thee I'm well pleased. And so Jesus comes to John. John agrees to baptize him. He baptizes him, takes him down, brings him up. And we hear a voice and a dove, the Holy Spirit of God, lighting upon his shoulders. And we hear the heavenly Father say, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And we have the Trinity beginning to work in Jesus' life in a special way. He is full of the Holy Ghost of God because it says so in chapter 4 and verse number 1. And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being, being 40 days tempted of the devil. And in those days he did, he did eat nothing. And when they were ended, he was afterward hungered. Now, we all understand that. We, 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 we've been to this passage of Scripture before. We've read this before. If you've read your Bible through, you've seen this on a couple of occasions. 
And Jesus is now tempted as he's beginning this, he's tested and tried as he's beginning this public ministry. And so we find here in chapter number uh, tw- uh, 4 and verse number 3, and uh, the devil said unto him, meaning Jesus, if. You see it? If. I put that in parentheses in my Bible. If. The word could be translated since. Okay? Now, now, now look at the verse, okay? So Satan says to Jesus, who's been, been fasting for all this time, he looks at Jesus and he says, if or since thou be the Son of God. And he knew who Jesus was. Believe me, he knew. He understood who this was. If thou be the Son of God, then command this stone that it be made bread. He also knows that Jesus is hungry. He knows that Jesus has been fasting all of this time. And he comes to tempt Christ, to tempt Jesus. Now remember, verse 1 says he's full of the Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit's power, okay? Now keep that in mind, okay? And he comes and he tempts Christ. And I want you to notice what Jesus does. Verse 4, Jesus answered him saying, it is written. And the question is where? It's Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. And Jesus answered him saying, It is written in Deuteronomy 8 and verse 3 that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And that is truth. He answers Satan with truth. And what I want you to understand and know tonight, and this is just kind of a little sidebar here, a little side item. When you are tempted, when Satan comes at you, when he comes into your life, when he comes into your world, when he begins to tempt you and try you and test you, what I want you to understand is always take that person, that one Satan tempting and testing you to the written word of God because you'll defeat him every time if you do. And then it says to us in verse 5, And the devil taking him up into a high mountain showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. Think about that. He shows him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time as if Christ had no idea about those kingdoms. Amen. Watch it. And the devil taking him up to that high mountain and in in verse number, uh, I'm sorry, in verse number six, and the devil said to him, All this power, all of this authority, all of this will I give thee and the glory of them. Remember, he knows who he's talking to. And I will give them, for that is delivered unto me. No, it wasn't. That was a lie. And to whomsoever I will give it. And then we see in verse 7, if, again, the second temptation, okay, if, if thou therefore will worship me, Worship me, Satan says. And that's what he wants folks to do today. Worship me. All shall be thine. And Jesus answered and said unto him again, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Deuteronomy 6 and verse 13, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. And he brought him to Jerusalem, and he set him on the pinnacle of the temple. Now, all roads lead up to Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the highest point in all of Israel. And the temple would be the highest point and the pinnacle of that temple. I I told the first hour that that from that floor right there to that right there is 39 feet. Now imagine being on top. Now imagine with me that you could be on top of, um, of the steeple on top of this church. And that's the picture that we have here. He takes him to the temple mount. He takes him to the temple that was there. And he takes him to the very pinnacle. Now notice what the scripture says here. Brought him to Jerusalem, verse 9, to the pinnacle of the temple, and he said unto him, If, here we go again, if, since you be the Son of God, cast yourself down from hence. 
Now, what I want you to try to understand with me is this. Satan literally comes to people and he says, jump. Satan comes to people and he says, take that pill. Are you with me in this? Satan literally says, stick that needle in your arm. Because he seeks to destroy. He seeks to bring down. He is not your friend. He was not Jesus' friend. And he's not my friend today. And he seeks to bring us down. If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down. Because it is written in Psalms 91, verses 11 and 12. And this is true. This is Old Testament being being quoted here, he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee. Yes, if Jesus jumped, the angels would help him. And in their hands they bear thee up, lest at any time thou shalt dash thy foot against the stone. And so here he is, here he is tempting Jesus again in the wilderness. He hasn't eaten for 40 days. Remember, he is all God, but he is also all human. And I'm telling you that all God can do things that all human cannot do. And one of the things I don't want to do, and yes, I've lost some weight, but I don't want to go without eating. Amen. If there's anything I like to do, it's eating. And that's the truth. My problem is I've eaten too much. And Jesus answering said unto him, it is said in Deuteronomy 6.16, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And so he goes through these temptations and this 40 days and Satan coming after him to try to stop him from his gospel ministry that he is about to begin, that we're about to see here in just a few moments, okay? And, 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 and then it, when, it is, when it is ended in verse 13, the devil ended all the temptation and he departed from him for what? A season. Know this this morning. That if Satan comes to you and tempts you and you overcome it, he'll leave you for a season. And he'll come right back. And, 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 I, and I can't help but reiterate this. I'm almost 72 years old now, and it just continues to come. Temptation continues to come, and temptation continues to come. And we need to know the book. We need to know the gospel. We need to know what Jesus says. We need to know what God says, Old Testament and New Testament, so that when these temptations come our way, we can refute them, and we can win victory in these issues. And so I want you to see with me now where my message is about to go to. And so it says Jesus returned now in the power of the Spirit, verse 14, into Galilee, and there went out a fame of him throughout all the region round about. So Jesus has gone to be with John the Baptist. He's been baptized by him. He's been up to the mountains. He's been tempted by Satan, and he has won the victory. Thank God for that. Amen. And now he begins his public ministry in the Galilee. This, the upper half of, of Israel is fertile, and it's beautiful, and they grow all kinds of fruits and vegetables, and it's, it's a beautiful area of, of Israel. From about Jerusalem down south, it's all very barren, okay? And so here's Jesus now going back toward his hometown called Nazareth. And Jesus is going to begin a public ministry here that I want you to see, and he's going to begin it in the power of the Holy Spirit of God with the gospel to those of that region. Notice with me what it says in verse number 15. And he taught in their synagogues. The synagogue was the Jewish temple, church, place of worship where they gathered. And they read scriptures 
And they would sing and someone would speak if a proper person was there and such. Now notice the verse of Scripture. And it says, he taught in their synagogues, okay? He returned in the spirit and in the power and, and, and his fame went everywhere. And he taught in the synagogues being glorified of all. They're, they're saying, how can, this, how can this guy be? Who is this fellow that's coming? His name is Jesus. How can he heal people? How can he help people? How can he do all of these things? He is glorified of all, and the, and the word is getting out. And then it says in verse 16, and he came to Nazareth, his hometown, where he'd been brought up. What generally happens when a preacher goes back to his hometown? Oh, that's just a kid that's from church. That's just, he doesn't have any credibility. We don't believe him. Who does he think he is coming into our city, coming into his hometown? He, why, he's the son of Mary and Joseph, and we saw him work in the, in the carpenter's house, and we, we saw all these things. That's just Jesus. No, this wasn't just Jesus. This was God incarnate in the flesh, all grown up, beginning his public ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit of God. Amen. Oh, it's powerful. And he came to Nazareth where he'd been brought up. As his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath, Saturday, and he stood up for to read. He walks in. Jesus is here. We'll let you read today, Jesus. We want you to do it this time. It was an honor to be asked to do that, but I believe if you study the scriptures, they were probably trying to catch him. They were probably trying to, you know, get him to say something he shouldn't say and, and get him in a situation where, where it wouldn't be, uh, um, you know, it just wouldn't be a very good situation. And so here's Jesus. He's functioning as the reader in the synagogue on that day. Now remember, son of God in the flesh, 30 plus years of age, baptized by John. His fame is going out everywhere he goes. Everybody's hearing about this young man who is, who is now preaching this gospel that they've not heard before. And notice with me what happens next, okay? And so he stood up for to read in verse 16, and there was delivered, handed unto him, a, the book of the prophet Isaiah. And it says, when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. And the next two verses are Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 and 2. And so here is Jesus, and he opens the scroll or the book, however they had it for him at that particular time. He knows what it reads. He knows what it says. He understands it. And they happen to hand him Isaiah, and he, had, he finds chapter 61, and he begins to read these words to them. Now watch what happens here. Jesus is standing there in the power of the Spirit of God, okay? Notice verse 18. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is who he's speaking. This is, this is he speaking. The one who helped write these words, okay? Because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel of all the verses in the Old Testament. Think about it. The, 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 whoever the leader was brought him this particular book. And, I, you know, you understand that I believe God was in it all. Amen. And he handed him that. And here is the one, by Holy Spirit inspiration, helped Isaiah write these words. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, and he hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and the recovering of the sight to the blind, and to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he stops right there. 
And if you go to Isaiah 61, you'll find there's more in verse 2. And he stops right there. Because what he wants is for them to stop and look at him. And there's Holy Spirit uh, uh, inspiration in the room and conviction going on. And he wants them to look at him. And he wants them to understand that he has a message for them. And he has a message for us today as well. It's a wonderful message. And so here's this boy from this small town Nazareth. It was only about 300 people at the time. And here he is with the scroll of Isaiah in his hand. He is full of the Holy Ghost of God, according to Luke chapter 3, verse 22. And the Holy Ghost descended upon him, chapter 4, verse 1. And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, led by the Spirit. Verse 14, Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. And in verse 18, he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Conviction, the power of conviction of the gospel is beginning to settle. Now, notice, notice he said, the Spirit of the Lord, the Holy Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's the second person of the Trinity. Because he, meaning the Father, has anointed me. Now they're looking at him to preach the gospel, the good news, the glad tidings of the Old Testament to the poor. The, he, the Father, hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering the sight to the blind, meaning both physically and spiritually, to set at liberty, give them freedom that are bruised or oppressed, and to preach the acceptable year, which is present tense, year of the Lord. And he stops right there. So here's my one and only point. You can write it down if you need to. <laughs> I've said all of this to say this. The gospel has the power to change your life. But you have to allow the gospel to change your life. I can preach this to you and preach this to you and preach this to you. Pastor Montgomery can preach it and preach it and preach it, but you have to accept it. You have to take it in. You have to say, I want that. I, they had to say, we believe you. Thank you for coming. Oh, thank God for the book of Isaiah. Praise God that he handed you that. And we sense the Holy Spirit's power in this room right now and understand all that. But they didn't is the hard part. I mean, if you read about this, they, they said, who is this? This is Joseph and Mary's son. Who does he think he is standing here in the synagogue and reading the scriptures like this? And why is there such conviction around us and all these things that are transpiring and happening? And it was because of the spirit of the living God in the flesh, second person of the Trinity, who is trying to get delivered to them the gospel that they all so desperately needed. Now, I want you to see something with me. I, I shared this in the first service. <laughs> I, I've, I've got ten quick points that I want you to see about the Spirit of God in Jesus' life, okay? And I want you to understand that from birth to His resurrection, to His bodily ascension and glorification back in heaven, th this is all true of Jesus. Here's the first one, okay? His incarnation. He was God in the flesh, Okay? Wherefore, Hebrews says, verse 10, chapter 10 and verse 5, Wherefore, when he comes into the world, he saith or says or says, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. 
God sent Jesus somehow, some way, I'll never figure this out, and placed his son into the womb of Mary, the virgin. And she gave birth to the incarnated Jesus Christ, Son of God, the, the, the Savior of the world. I don't know how that took place. I just know that God and His Spirit was at work in that situation. Secondly, His birth. Matthew 1 and verse 18. The birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise when as His mother Mary was espoused engaged to Joseph before they came together. Listen to it now. She was found with child of the Holy Ghost. She was found with child of the Holy Ghost. In his growing up as a young man, Luke 2.40 and 52 tell us the child grew and waxed strong in the spirit, the scripture says, filled with wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. And then there was his baptism as we've already read. Now when all the, people, all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized and praying, the heavens opened and the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily uh, shape it says like a dove upon him and the voice from heaven uh, came from heaven which said thou art my son in thee my beloved son in thee I'm well pleased then there was his temptation the spirit of the Lord is upon me as we've just read the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor he sent me to heal the brokenhearted and to preach deliverance to the captives and the recovering of the sight and the blind and set at liberty them that are bruised and to preach in the acceptable year of the Lord then there was his ministry Matthew 12, 28. But if I cast out devils, demons, by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come unto you. By the Spirit of God he did so. Then there was his death. Hebrews says, Now much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit, the eternal Holy Spirit of God, offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Then there's the resurrection. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, Dwell in me. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Then there's his ascension. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry you in the city of Jerusalem until you be endured. I love this verse of Scripture. Jesus said, you go back to Jerusalem and you stay there until you be endued with power. And they prayed for ten days. And finally, as we read in the book of Acts, chapter number 2, the Holy Spirit of God fell all over the church and the believers in Jerusalem and the power of God to witness to all that were there began to happen. You see, the Holy Spirit of God is the power behind the gospel. And then I love his ascension. Behold, I send the promise of my Father to you, but tarry you in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. I've already said that, didn't I? See, that's what happens when you get my age. And then there's his glorification. And this is one of the best parts of all of this. John 16, 14. Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. He shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. And this is what I want you to think about. Is there any question today that the Holy Spirit's power was in Jesus' life. And if, he, if, if the Holy Spirit was in Jesus' life, and if he would send the Holy Spirit to you and I, why do we not have the power of the Holy Spirit of God to help people to see the gospel? Why, why are we quiet? If we, have, if we have it all, why are we not using what God has placed within our hearts and our lives? 
And so here's what I want you to see. My point simply is this, that when Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he anointed me to preach the gospel, the same indwelling power that Jesus had, you and I have. We do. The same command to preach the gospel that Jesus preached is upon us. The same power is here today, right now, right here, this very moment, in this community and around the world. We've seen God move in other places, and God has allowed us to go to many places in the last almost two years. And we've seen God move, and we've seen God do this, and we've seen God do that, and we've seen things go well here at home as well. And so we thank the Lord for that. So my application is this. Our Lord Jesus Christ recognized his need to have such an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit's power. Now remember, he was all God, and he was all human being, all at the same time while on this earth. And we have that same power. What I want you to understand about Jesus, he was as much God on earth as he was in heaven. And he is as much God in heaven as he was on earth. I want you to understand that same power is right here. And as a church, we, we need to realize there is the power of the Holy Spirit of God in this matter of getting the gospel to our world around us. Now, I don't know how it is with you folks, but we've been able to witness to our neighbors during this pandemic. I don't like this pandemic. I, 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 I've never seen a time like it in my life. I've, it, it just bugs the daylights out of me how political they've made it. And, and, and I'm, I'm telling you, I'm telling you this morning, God is using it. And we need to allow him to use us during it. We need to show the world around us what Jesus and the power of his Holy Spirit and his gospel can do for them. And that's what Jesus was trying to do there. Notice verse 20. And he closed the book. Imagine. You're in that synagogue. Jesus is doing his public ministry. Everybody is coming to hear him. He is reading to them Isaiah. He's showing them who he is and why he's there. And they're all staring at him and they're all looking at him. And the Bible says he closed the book. And my point is this. There is coming a time when God is going to close the book on this earth as we know it. And it could very well be that this pandemic has been a precursor to that. It could be, I'm giving you a little warning here. There are things to do. There are people who need to hear the gospel and we need to get the job done. And I, I see that as a challenge because I'm telling you there will be a day when it is too late. There will be a day when we can't witness to that fellow next door. I got a, got a young fellow that lives next door to me, and, and, uh, and uh, he moved in, and, and I'm mowing the lawn, and, and uh, he comes out, and I, I stop, and I say, hey, how are you? My name's Howard. What's yours? He said, my name's Chris. And I said, well, we're just so glad to have you and your wife in the neighborhood. And he said, well, she's not my wife. And stupid me, I said, you got plans to get married? No, 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 not now. No, we're just living together here. We bought this house together. We're not planning on getting married. I said, well, man, if you need to get married, I'm a retired pastor. I'd be glad to help you too. Woo, he almost ran away from me. 
But the next time I got to speak to him, I'm mowing the lawn again. I stopped, Chris, how you doing, man? It's good to see you. Yes, sir. He said, he said, what do you think about all this pandemic and everything that's going on? I said, you know, I haven't seen you guys for about a month. He said, you know what? We've been scared to death to leave the house. He said, we're both working from home. And he said, the only time we go out is when we, can, we, we know we're not going to be able to be here. And he's scared to death. And he said, what do you think's going on? I said, do you have a Bible in the house? Yeah, I got a Bible in there. I said, go ahead and read Matthew chapter 24. And I said, you'll find in Matthew 24 that, that, that all of these things are happening right now. And there's a reason. And, and if you've got questions after you read it, please come back and see me. I mean, God just opened the doors. You know, I got my boat out and brought it home and was getting it all cleaned up. And uh, the power trim, which makes the motor go up and down, died. And uh, that's just hard on the preacher. And um, I wasn't very spiritual about it. Because I found out later it was $881 to fix it. Amen. And, you know, you're retired. You don't want to spend that kind of money on a boat. And... Um, I thought about selling it for about 30 seconds, and, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to do that. So I'm trying to work on it. I'm trying to figure it out. And the guy across the street that I've been praying for comes over. Hey, what's going on? I said, this power trim won't work. Let me look at that thing. He just digs around in there. He said, well, I don't know what to tell you. And, and for the next 45 minutes, I told him about Jesus Christ. He didn't get saved. But I got to tell him. And that's all I'm trying to show you. The, 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 the opportunity to reach people is it, people want to hear it now. And there is power in the gospel. And God can use it if we'll allow him to have his way. And I want to challenge us this morning because Romans says, for none of us lives to himself and no man dies to himself. Whether we live, we live to the Lord. And whether we die, we die unto the Lord. And whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. So may the Lord's people give the gospel of Jesus Christ out and help them to know about these things. Because I want you to understand this. It makes no difference who you are, where you're from, how wealthy you are, how much education you have. Warren Wiersbe said, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. And all who will come may be saved. That's the power of the gospel. The power of the gospel. Now watch our scriptures here, okay? And I, and I hasten, okay? I, I hasten. Um... <clears throat> It says, and he closed the book, verse 20, and he gave it again to the minister and sat down. Now watch this. And the eyes of all of them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. That's the Holy Spirit's power in my mind. I mean, he has their attention. He has just quoted them the word of God that they know. You see, you see, you see, the first five books of the Bible, they knew. And he's just quoted it to them. And they know he's right. And there's conviction in that place. And he began to say unto them, watch this now. They're all fastened upon him. This day, meaning right now, is the scripture, the word of God, fulfilled in your ears. In other words, I am he. I am God, I am here in your midst. You can't refuse Holy Ghost conviction when Holy Ghost conviction comes. If you do, it may cost you for an eternity. So my closing questions are simply this, and I'll hasten. Are you saved today? I confess to you, 
first Sunday in June, Brother Randy, 1963, I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. Brother Rice said to me, Howard, the Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He said, Howard, if you would ask Jesus to save you, he would. I said, Jesus, with all my heart, save me, and he did. I've never been the same. Have you come to that moment in your life? I mean, are, have, you, have you reached that place in your world, in, 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 your, in, in your, you know, your little bubble where you live? Have you come to that place where you've accepted his son, Jesus Christ, as your Savior? If you have, if you are saved, are you surrendered to the Spirit's leading? Is, is a Holy, does the Holy Spirit have control of your life? Now, you can be saved and not obey the Holy Spirit. You can do that. Now, it grieves God when we do that. But if you are born again, if you are saved, if you have accepted Christ and he is in your world, are you fully and completely surrendered? I remember the first time that that, 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 that happened to me. I, I, I'd gotten backslidden out of church and was back in church, and the Spirit of God was really working on me. And I mean, I was having to change all kinds of things in my life because the Spirit of God was working on me. Is the Spirit of God working this morning in your heart? It's, it's your individual heart, not corporately, but your individual heart. Is the Spirit of God moving in this matter called the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ? You know, it might mean you need to follow the Lord in baptism. It might mean you need to join this church. It might, it might mean you need to start reading your Bible. It, it might mean you need to start witnessing. There, there are hundreds of things that, that we can all do. The question is, are we listening to the power of the Holy Spirit of God and the gospel in our lives this morning. Now, one more thing, and I promise you we'll stand and pray. So, so they didn't like what he was saying because they were convicted. And it says, it says to us in verse 28, and all they in the synagogue when they heard these things were filled with wrath. They got angry at Christ. And rose up and thrust him out of the city and led him into the brow of the hill whereupon their city, Nazareth, was built, that they might cast him down headlong. We've, those of us who have been to the Holy Land together, and we've been in Nazareth, we've gone up to what they call the precipice. And they took Jesus to the precipice, and it's straight down. And it's nothing but rock all the way down. And what they would do is they would take people who were convicted or whatever, and they would throw them over headlong. And there is no way you come out of that alive. They take Jesus to that spot. And I want you to watch what happens. They're, 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 about, to, they're about to get him. <laughs> and they rose up, verse 29, and they thrust him out of the city. They led him to the brow of the hill, the precipice, whereupon the city was built, that they might cast him down headlong, head first. But he, being God, passing through the midst of them, went his way. Amen. And Jesus doesn't want you to go your way today. He wants you to surrender to the power of the gospel. The Holy Spirit is God's leadership in your life. He wants you to surrender. Let's stand together this morning and pray. Our Father, it's different for every one of us today. Someone may need to surrender like I did and say, Jesus, save me. And you will. You will. Some may need to join the church. Some may need to follow in believers' baptism. Some, some may need to make some other decision about their life. And I pray today that the power of the Holy Spirit of God and the gospel would minister to our hearts and help us this morning.
As we stand here together this morning, church, and our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, is God's Spirit speaking to you? If God's Spirit is speaking to you, will you respond to whatever it is He's speaking to you about? You know what it is. He knows what it is. I don't have a clue. And you know what? It doesn't matter. What matters is that you settle that with Him right where you stand. And just say to Him, Jesus, I need to be saved. Forgive me of my sin. Jesus, save me. Come into my heart. I need to join the church, or I need to be baptized, or I need to whatever. You, you have to fill in those blanks. But what I want you to see with me this morning is are we listening to the Spirit's call? Are we listening to what the Holy Spirit of God is saying to each of us this very, very What is the Spirit saying right now? And if the Spirit of God is speaking, you'll know it. What do you need to answer him with? It's different for everybody. Father, thank you for the privilege to preach to these dear people. There's no one I'd rather preach to than this crowd right here. Calvary Bible Church. Thank you, Father, for their faithfulness. Thank you, Lord, for Continued good preaching and teaching of the Word of God in this place. Continue to bless this ministry and put your hand upon it and allow it to grow, Lord. Give leadership to our pastors. Wisdom, Lord, to our officers of our church as they lead us forward. May the, may the perfect will of God be done and may the power of the gospel always be preached in this place. And may you make a movement upon this church in a special way, even today. Thank you, Father, for this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Think about it. No one ever cared for me like Jesus. 